Uh, we've, been, we've been going through uh, Corinthians here lately in the past couple of weeks. It's, we started chapter 12, which very much so 12, 13, and 14 are connected together over this subject, spiritual gifts. As I've gone into this, I, I, I just feel like Paul is approaching this like, well, we'll just say this, that the Corinthians, as we go through this, they're, they're kind of, ex- they're very much excited about spiritual gifts. They have just dived into this. And, and Paul, as he's approaching this, is like uh, a, a, uh, a trainer, driver, driver instructor. We'll put it there. Uh, and and uh, he is going back with these young, young kids that are very excited about driving. But, but there's a lot you need to know about a car before you drive. Uh, have, have many of you uh, uh, taken driver's ed? I mean, when I was in school as driver's ed, I taught my kids how to drive. I'm so thankful that's passed. But I remember taking driver's ed. We go in, man, I was so excited about driving. But first of all, we did classroom time. And I thought, oh, man. And I remember watching, uh, at, at that time, it was actually with a projector. Man, I know. There used to be a projector and it used to be tape, not videotapes even. It was in a reel and everything. But it, it showed accidents. And the emphasis was, man, this, this that you're about to embark upon, this thing is, is dangerous. And, and they called for great responsibility for anyone who's driving. And they took the time to train in that. And it seems like Paul is addressing spiritual gifts in, in, in the same way. Because as he addresses it, he doesn't jump into everything that we would like, like to know about. Tell us about all these, these spiritual gifts. Because if you read through it, one word is, man, just miraculous power. That's one. Woo, what is that about? Or, or healing. Or, or speaking in tongues. Things that go beyond anything that we're able to do. But he goes in, and he doesn't, he doesn't go into anything like that in the past chapter 12, nor does he in chapter 13, what we're about to embark upon. And instead, what he's dealt with is this. He begins by introducing, he says, now what you had before, you were, you were worshiping mute idols, dumb idols. I mean, you were speaking to stones and wood, and that's about it. But now there's a significance in what you have in Jesus, because he has given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit enables... He enables to, to be able to, to speak about Jesus, that he is the Son of God. Hey, you are Lord. Jesus is Lord. And be able to express that. But also, in terms of action, uh, the Holy Spirit working within us brings forth action, activity. Uh, as we've seen in the early, earlier part of this, he, he says that he gives to each one gifts. And the emphasis he begins with, he said, man, there's not one gifts. There's all kinds of gifts that, that he uses, and, and everybody receives one. Then he goes into explaining, you know, it's just like the body. As your body has many parts and many functions, and each one has unique functions, so, so is the body of Christ. One spirit, but, but many functioning parts. One, one spirit, many gifts, one body, many parts. And he uses that to, to help us understand. And like we emphasized last week, everybody, everybody belongs. Everybody belongs. That spirit that's within you, if you're in Christ, uh, is enabling you to function as a part of this body. 
And that, that's where we are so far. Now, chapter 13, what we're approaching, matter of fact, I need to go back to chapter 12 and, and kind of identify some things that Paul does. He goes back to actually uh, approaching a list of gifts one, one more time. He listed it in eight, verses 8 through 10 of, of chapter 12, and he does it again, uh, beginning, I believe it's verse, uh, verse 27. There he says, and here's the list he lays out. And he puts them in more of an order this time. He says, you know, he added to the first, uh, to, to the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing and helping and guidance, and of all kinds of tongues. And he asks the question, well, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues? And that just kind of emphasizes where he's been. No, no, there's all kinds of gifts that function together through one spirit. Here's what I don't want, to, don't want us to miss this morning, because he goes on to say, uh, do all, uh, excuse me, he goes on to say um, that, that, we are to now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's kind of where he wraps up this chapter 12. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Which I think, again, now the, the Corinthians were diving in head first and, and going at it. And that's the reason Paul has to bring it up. Because in 14 we're going to see more specifically the difficulties that they're having with the spiritual gifts. I will say absolutely a misuse of the gifts, and we might even see that today as we go through 13. But for us, I think the encouragement is going to be for us is to pursue those gifts. He says, you know, pursue the, the, the greater gifts. Well, the question mark is, well, okay, what does that mean? Chapter 14, okay? I, I don't want you to say there, well, okay, you didn't ever explain what the greater gifts are. I don't believe the greater gifts are what we find in chapter 13. But if you look at 14 verse 1, he picks up where he left off after that phrase. We're going to get into what the greater gifts are as we get into chapter 14. What some describe chapter 13 is an interlude. I, you know, at first I thought, well, that's kind of like uh, an interlude is that, that time when Linda takes me to Kansas City and we're in concert. And, and I always look for, and you call that an intermission. It's not the same thing, Okay. I always I love intermission because I get out and, and can walk around and, and that's the fun time. That's my Ronnie's fun time. Then I have to come back and sit through what Linda enjoys the rest of the way. So, so it, this is not an intermission by any means. It is an interlude which, which Paul interjects. And I think it's because of the, the very significance of working the spiritual gifts. The very significance of working spiritual gifts. So listen carefully to chapter 13. And it, it really begins where, where 12 leaves off by saying this. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. There's the emphasis. What I want to say is so important when it comes to spiritual gifts. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy... And, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'd I'd ask you all, you know, just where have you heard that before? But I, you know, in, in someone who's done several weddings... Uh, numerous people have had said, you know, in talking about when we are unfolding this wedding, what would you like to, what scripture would you like to have focused on? Have you heard 1 Corinthians 13, that definition used in weddings? Okay, now be honest. How many said, hey, I want 1 Corinthians 13 used in my wedding? Oh, Dory, okay. Anyone else? Okay. Okay, Annie. Paul did not write this for weddings. So that doesn't, that doesn't take away from your wedding. It was a great message. It is a wonderful definition of love. But what it's written for is for the church. Corinth needed to hear, the, the Christians in Corinth needed to hear this message. And the message basically is this, that, that, that spiritual gifts must work along with love. It must work along with love. Before I begin anything else, I want to, I want to help a little definition here. Paul comes in uh, defining what love is and in, in the midst of talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, love is not one of Paul, or he, he doesn't put it on any list of saying this is a spiritual gift. Love is not a spiritual gift. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. He'll tell that to the Ephesians. And so you say, what's the difference? Well, we talk about spiritual gifts, and only some people get certain gifts, and other people get these gifts, and and all these gifts are spread out so that we could function as a body. But love is a fruit. Hey, we all have these attributes. The Holy Spirit works in this, and these are the attributes that we put into practice and make use of in this Spirit working through us. It's changing us. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Uh, each of these are, are fruits of the Spirit that, that are working within us. I probably didn't do that in the right order. I see some questioning. And so I left, if I left some out, forgive me. But that's in Galatians chapter 5 if you want to look that up. The, but, but the fact is, the truth is, is love is a fruit and, and it needs to be applied when working through the spiritual gifts. Through any of our giftedness, it needs to be applied. Again, the Corinthians need to understand how love needs must, must work with spiritual gifts. So this morning, love is essential. That's why I entitled this essential. Spirit, spiritual gifts must be accompanied by love. 
Uh, Paul is going to lay out in chapter 13 just some truths about, about love working along with spiritual gifts. So that's where we're going to go this morning. That we're going to look at some of these truths. First of all, spiritual gifts are useless without love. Spiritual gifts are absolutely useless without love. That's, that's the point that Paul emphasizes in the first few verses of chapter 13. Uh, just beginning with tongues. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and do not have love, I'm just making noise. I'm just making noise. I, it, it is not anything that, that's helping anybody else. It, it's just making noise. And, and he goes on, I mean, the same thing with prophecy and, and, and knowledge. And, and if I have all this thing and faith that moves mountains, uh, does it do anything for me? No, I am nothing. And then if I do some kind of great sacrificial thing, I mean, giving of myself, uh, giving away to, to others and, and even uh, expending myself, and I do it without love, what does it mean? I gain nothing. I gain nothing. So, so, you know, these actions, these activities, service, uh, using the gifts that we have, and we're doing it without love, it means nothing. Now, the Corinthians had behavioral issues throughout. We've already seen that, and we've taken this journey. So we could just look back and say, you know, we go back to chapter 8, where the, the Corinthians were, were, with their knowledge, understanding that, hey, because of Christ, we now have freedom. What were they doing? They were eating meat, sacrificed idols. They were actually going into the temple and doing that and encouraging others to do the same. But in that, what they were doing was causing their brothers and sisters to stumble. So, so the, this knowledge, this understanding was, was actually useless because they weren't thinking of anybody that, but themselves. The knowledge was, was right and along the right line because we have freedom in Christ, but if we abuse it, and, and do something neglectful uh, and, and not thinking of others, then it is something that is useless. Their wisdom, their liz- wisdom actually led them to quarrels and disputes, right? Chapter 1, verse 10, hey, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Christ. Yeah, they, were, they were arguing over who they were following. And, and it, was, it was leading them, it, it was without love. The Corinthians were, were, you know, looking through the scriptures, lacking this love. It's easy for us to see where, where love is not applied, and, and we all know instances. You know, you can think about a, a maybe perhaps a coach, uh, that, that whether you coach or someone, you, you could tell a difference in a coach that really loves his players compared to a coach that, that just loves to win. And, and, and is more concerned about his resume and his, uh, his, um, you know, his reputation amongst others. Uh, the same thing could be about your employer. You know whether an employer really loves his employees and cares about them, or if, if the bottom line is what's most important. You know, the finances or, or the task at hand, that's most important. We don't care about what you're dealing with. You know if love is not present. If it's there, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? To think about a doctor with a doctor who loves his patients, you know, or to one who does not, you know, and you are just part of his schedule to go through and to deal with. You can tell a difference to a parent 
who, who really is more concerned about their reputation in their community than the troubles that their kids are dealing with. You, know, you could tell a difference. We know that there's a difference. And within the church, within the church, we're the ones who ought to be identifying with this very act of love because God's shown us the way. God's given us that direction. Love ought to be part of how we are treating each other and how we're dealing with our community around us. The second truth that we, we must under, understand is, is this. That truth, truth is absolutely defined by Paul here. And, and truth, the truth about love, as he brings out this definition, it is outward focused. Love is outward focused. The outward focus of love edifies the church. It builds the church. The outward focus of love edifies the church. Paul defines love with absolutes as he begins. The first two, two uh, uh, phrases he uses is love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't say love is sometimes patient, right? Every once in a while love is patient and, and, and sometimes love is kind. No, no. Love is defined as an absolute. Love is always patient love is always kind i have a hard time putting ronnie into love is patient i mean ronnie is patient ronnie is kind working on it working on it working towards it trying to apply it but the one we could fit in there absolutely is god right when, when we read through this definition god fits this description, this definition. God is patient. God is kind. Matter of fact, even going down, it says, He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Absolute, absolutely fits with that definition. That, and, and that's the God who, and we know that because that's the God who loves us, right? That's the God who has embraced us. Matter of fact, John knows this. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. Read that sometime today if you want to. Uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. We're not going to turn there too many verses. But in that, he says, God is love. He just comes out and says it a couple times. God is love. In verse 12, he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. How do we know that God is around us? I mean, is okay, we have a cross, and we have pews. Where else do they have pews? Nobody else has pews. Churches, we have pews, so we could say, hey, this is a church. God must be here. No. <laughs> the great identifying factor, we could get rid of the pews, we could get rid of the cross, we could get rid of the building. But what identifies us with God is love. How we love one another. And, and absolutely, he, he also later on comes along and says this. He says, we love because he first loved us. We identify. We are here to worship because God has made it known. He's made his love known. And the greatest means of that is by sending his son to die for us. Right? Absolutely. And, and so, man, we, we've experienced patience from God. We've experienced his mercy every day do you feel that we experience his mercy and his grace often we said we don't belong here and that's true but God has opened the door for us to come and to celebrate and to receive something we don't deserve that's love and he guess what he does to the church go and do the same I right here love each other 
Be involved in that. Be a part of this definition of love. When it comes to even, even this part where it says, do not envy, do not boast, how often maybe the, the ears of the Corinthians might have been burning, you know? Hey, uh, love does not envy. Uh, chapter 3, verse 3 says, you are, you're still worldly. This is in response to the fact that they were arguing over who has the best leader. He says, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? My question to us is, how are we doing? How are we doing in relationship together? Are we having difficulties, some quarreling, some, some uh, frustration with each other? Or are we, are we living in that patience and that kindness? And, and, and having that, that sense and pursuit of understanding. Man, this last year did some revealing some things, didn't it? I think it did. I think it, it revealed some things in me. And a continued pursuit of love is exactly where we are. If anything like this happens again, I hope we do it so much better than we did this last time. Are you with me? I hope to do it so much better than we did this last time. I hope what proceeds before each one of us is love. What proceeds before each one of us is love. And, and from this day forward, man, just continue. Part of this prayer is just God continue to grow within us the love that you have for us. Help us to love one another. Even if we don't see eye to eye on everything, help us to continue to love and be patient and show kindness. That exact definition. Oh, other things does not boast. Oh man, these Corinthians had to be boasting. They, I, I really believe that Paul, as he was writing, these people know everything. They seem to be so wise. We already mentioned chapter 10, but even in 8, uh, Paul had to say, those who think they, they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. <laughs> Paul had to keep on reminding us, I know that you think you know everything. Listen up. He had to say it quite often. It is not proud. It is not proud. In chapter 8, verse 1, he says, knowledge puffs up. He had to remind them, knowledge puffs up, and you know so much, but love builds up. He's heading to chapter 13. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It is not rude. It is not rude. Uh, they had to be thinking about how they were celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Now, of course, it was more of a meal, but there was a group who were actually making it more of a feast and stuffing themselves while a majority were going hungry. It was rude. It was rude. It was thoughtless. It was thoughtless. Paul had to say, don't you have homes to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have done nothing? Who have nothing. He also says that, that this love is not self-seeking. Paul had to say in 1024, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. That was in that case, uh, uh, again, of, of meat sacrifice to idols. Man, I want meat. I want meat. But how does it affect my brother and sister? The thinking of someone who has embraced Jesus, who saved their soul, is different from anyone in this world because it's outward thinking. It's, it's caring about my brother and my sister. Are, are you listening as a church? Seriously, are you listening as a church? If I am loving, I'm, I'm less caring about what I want and what I uh, desire than for my brother and sister who are with me. My brother and sister who, who might not see eye to eye 
is, am I loving them? Paul's great challenge in this is to say, this is the definition. It is outward thinking. It, it isn't self-centered thinking at all. It's, it's a pursuit of others. Man, that, that takes some work, doesn't it? Take some application, take some pursuit. Our great priority is to love one another. The gifts that we receive must be acted on through love. Now, you may not be certain of what your gift is. You know, as we talk, I say, man, pursue those, those gifts. And I'm sitting there and thinking, oh, well, I don't know what my gift is. But you do know that you're called to love. You do know you're called to love. And, and start there. Start there. If you don't know what your gift is, begin by loving. And there, there's, re, there's activities, thoughts. Uh, uh, and, and matter of fact, I would even say is, as we come each Sunday, I would guarantee you that there's some real hurting people around you. I, and those people don't come to the door and just let you know, hey, I'm really hurting. That, that's just real unusual, right? I'm really going through some difficulties. I need some help. People don't do that. So in, in part, you're just saying, God, you know, give me someone to, to, to maybe serve today. Help me to, to be mindful of those around me. Uh, maybe we come in and someone's sitting by themselves. And, and you might think, well, I've never met them before. I'm going to go over and introduce myself, see if this is their first Sunday and, and get to know them. Or you might see someone who is just, sometimes you know if someone's hurting or not. It is a pursuit. It is something that we ought to be doing, coming in and, and doing it here, and then taking it outside. We know some folks, they might be on the prayer list. And I appreciate so much. This, I, I will say this is something that the church practices. I know and I see it. And I appreciate so much. That doesn't mean that we all can't be challenged to do it a lot more. Okay? But I, I see it during the week when I hear a call and say, well, do you know how so-and-so is? And I've heard people going, Nellie Smith is going to have her 100th birthday. And we're praying she makes it. We've, you know, there's been some concerns. She's slowing down. Hey, when you're 100 years old, it's okay to slow down. But anyway, and Nellie, if you know Nellie, she's always been a goer, but she is slowing down. And, and so here in April, we're going to be celebrating her 100th birthday. And I've, I've had folks here that have been making her meals and, and taking it to her and doing some visiting. I've heard some people just go by and just say, hey, Nellie, I, I don't know. In, in the realm that you have, you know people, you see people, you get acquainted with new people, you have opportunity. Man, the opportunities to share your love with someone else are numerous, and they're out there, absolutely out there. Get, get involved in that. Move forward with that. I, get, I, I really believe that when you start applying that love, that, that you're going to begin to find that place that God has gifted you and, and, and is going to use you even more so in serving and helping others. The final point that, that Paul makes, final truth that he, he brings up is that the spiritual gifts are only for a season, but love is, is eternal. And the last few phrases he, he puts up here, starting in verse 8, he, beginning with, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, uh, they're going to be stilled. And where there's knowledge, uh, they're, they're just going to pass away. 
So, so these gifts, these miraculous gifts that, that the Corinthians are so excited about, what they needed to hear is, is hey, this is temporary. And, and understand what they're for. They are to edify, to build up the church. They're not, they're not to, to, to make you feel good about yourself. They're not to elevate you. But they are together to build up the church and, and, and to fun, help the church to function as that body. It goes on to say, uh, that describe that these gifts are only a part, a part, and, and they're going to be removed because there's a time when completeness is coming. We're, we're, we're looking forward to something that's complete, that's fulfilled. And so what is that? I think Paul in part defines that in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. It's there that Paul has been talking about. Say, man, our moving, our growing is to move away from immaturity, where we're going to be you know, tossed around by, by different kinds of teaching and, 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 and lose, being lost and, and, and all that. But we're going to come to a place of maturity. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become the very, in very respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Later on, he calls that the fullness of Christ. I think that's completeness. When we come into that fullness of Christ. Anybody there? I've done that before. No one yet has raised their hand. Say, I've come into the fullness of Christ. I'm there. Uh, it, it is a continuous pursuit. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul says it again in Ephesians, what he's saying in Corinthians. I think part of the message is get busy, find your place, find your responsibility, understand that, that, that function of any kind of gift, any kind of place in the body is outward, is outward. And that's where that application of love is absolutely necessary. To be effective, those spiritual gifts mean nothing unless they are working that way. So, so we are looking that these spiritual gifts that are only part today into that completeness of the fullness of Christ. And in some ways, I, I, I want to say that's when I see Jesus face to face. To me, that's completeness. That's when we're going to realize what God has brought together in us. And, and, but right now, we're working towards it. How are you in loving? <laughs> How are you doing? Is, is, is the Spirit working? Are, uh, how's, how are you doing in, in patience and in kindness? And, and, and all the other terms that's laid out here. Uh, the idea of protecting, of trusting, always hoping and persevering. All part of loving. And, and, and doing that outwardly, not inwardly. He completes that. Well, he, he also brings in a couple of other things, some images. He said, you know, one time we're like a child, but then I become a man. You know, that's, that's that idea, again, of being a part. You know, like a child, we're still on train, training wheels, but someday we're going to become mature and, and to that place of the fullness of Christ. Uh, it's also uh, given like, like looking at a mirror or even at, at a picture. Uh, to, to give the image of a mirror or a picture and say, someday we're going to really see face to face. That's again, is that idea of completeness. That's our pursuit. That's what we're looking for. We have a goal in mind. We have a goal in mind. And it has everything to do with growing and changing and building up. 
And it must, all the spiritual gifts we're excited about, we think, well, yeah, we want to we find our place to function and work. It has to be accompanied by love. See how important that is from Paul? See why he has to stop and talk about 13? It's wonderful in a wedding to talk about. And husbands, listen, love your wives. Be, you know, be patient all the time. Be kind all the time. You know, do all those things. And you, and you go home and fail, right? You go home and fail. But, but if you're a believer, it is a pursuit. And it does bless families. Absolutely. It could bless homes when we're applying this very love to our family and the very traits that God has given to us. It absolutely does. But it is meant for us as a whole, as a church, how we're loving one another. Concerning, again, Paul is speaking concerning the spiritual gifts and, and how they work together with love. They, it is essential that they work together with love. Spiritual gifts are useless without love. The outward focus of love edifies, builds up the church. And spiritual gifts are only for a season, but love is eternal. Love is eternal. I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 13 again. I also encourage you to read chapter 14. That's where we're entering in and going to see the very details of, of what's coming. I do need to let you know that we probably won't do 14 next week, that we'll get into the resurrection for some reason. Easter's next Sunday, and we're going to be celebrating a resurrection. So uh, 14 will be coming after. Anyway, oh man. God's Word is challenging, isn't it? If anybody just says, well, I feel good about myself because I, I know my gift and I know how to love and I'm just doing it all and boy, I feel so good about myself. I don't really feel that way after going through His Word. What I feel is challenged. And I hope you do too. I hope you know that we've got a lot of growing to do to get to the completeness. We have a lot of growing to do and it's all going to be done in love. Amen? All right. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for, always for your word that challenges us. Father, your spirit that's working upon us. Lord, uh, the church that has that place of sharpening and directing and, and Lord, leading us into a life that is going to function in a way that's, that's Lord, preparing us for that, that time when we see you face to face. God, help us to love one another. Help us to bring that, come to that place where our own desires and, and interests become that of others. Lord, we praise you for Jesus who came into this world that gave up everything, that had the desire of, of just loving the people around him and serving, even to the point of the cross. And today, Lord, we gather together for that very reason, knowing that Jesus gave up his life for us. We pray, Lord, that we will honor and, and pursue him uh, with that same kind of love and, and be able to do that by loving one another. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.